to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Are you ready tonight? All right, take your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tonight. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for the little worship we had tonight. I just thank you for your presence in this place tonight. Father, continue to open our eyes up to the revelation that you want us to have in this day and this hour. Thank you for making us kingdom citizens and sons of the living God. We give you praise and glory for what you're going to do in our souls and our minds and our wills, our emotions tonight. And we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's just go to verse 21. I know surprising that we didn't go to 17, but we jumped all the way to 21. This is the advanced group. So we can go all the way up to 21 if we want to. Talking about Jesus, it says, For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, this is talking about the cross, of course. We talked about the cross a little bit a couple of weeks ago. But notice what it says here. Jesus was made sin. He never sinned, but he was made sin with whose sin? With our sin. And he was made sin so that we could be made what? Righteous. righteous. We could be made. Not that we could have the opportunity to become righteous. We could basically work our way into righteousness, but we could be made righteous. So as you see the cross and you understand the kingdom of God, you're going to find out that everything the king came and suffered for was basically a substitute for you. In other words, he was a substitution for us so that we could be as he was before he went to the cross for us, which is pretty interesting. We don't want to raise ourselves up to that, but the Bible says you've already been raised up, so you might as well just go along with it. And you see it in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, praise God. So, so basically on the cross here it says he was made sin so we could become righteous. He died, why? So that we could live. He was cursed so we could be blessed. He was poor so that we could become he went to hell so we can go to? And he was made sick that we could live? Healthy. See, all these things were done at the cross, and everything he did was basically for us as our substitute so that we could become the opposite of him. So he was made sick so that we could live in divine health. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. When you've been coming here on Wednesday nights, the seeds you have been receiving each and every Wednesday night, sometime you're going to need them. I mean, you may feel super duper great right now. Everything may be going good health-wise and whatever, but there's going to come a time when you come under attack. And when that time comes, if you've been pressed in under the anointing of God, you're going to hear me. Yeah, I want you going to hear this voice. You're going to say, oh my gosh, I don't feel very good. And you're going to hear, well, Pastor Tom said, by his stripes I've been healed. That ever happened to you? Yeah, because that's what Revelation does to you. It comes and it's on the inside of you. You know all that you need to know. It's already in there, but you only use it when you need it. Some people say, I don't know everything. Well, you will when you need to know it. You don't need to know everything now. You just be a smarty pants anyway. So basically, when you need it, it'll come out of the inside of you. But how many know it has to be put in you before it come out of you? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 19. Paul says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are who? 
cause. Now notice, this is very interesting here. First of all, it says he wants you to know that you are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. Say, I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. And where is the Holy Ghost tonight? He's on the inside of you. And notice, you have of God and you are not your own. In other words, you've been bought. Your body doesn't belong to you. You don't belong to you. Your soul doesn't belong to you. Your money you got don't belong to you. Everything you got don't belong to you because somebody bought you and God's the one who bought you. Bought in, in the Bible is basically the same word for redeemed. God redeemed you, but he also bought you. God owns you, basically. That's why it's so hard. Side note. That's why it's so hard for when you surrender everything to God and surrender everything to God. You can surrender your money to him. You can surrender your time to him. You can surrender everything. The toughest thing to surrender to him is yourself. Because when you came into the world, really, the only thing you had was yourself. And in order to lose yourself, you've lost everything. Remember, the Bible says, deny your Take up your, and follow me. What's he saying? Oh, you're, you're probably going to come to a point where you say, my money's yours, my house is yours, my time's yours. But when it comes to you, come to that place where you've got to give yourself. Me, that's all I got left is myself, and now I've got to give it up. You know, you remember the scripture where Jesus said, who do they say I am? And they say, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, yeah, you got it. Praise God. You hit it. That's it. That's great. And he said, We're, we want to be just like you, Jesus. We want to follow you wherever you go. We want to do it. And Jesus said, well, I'm going to be going to the cross. I'm going to suffer and die. And all at once Peter says, no, 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 no. Not because he especially didn't want Jesus to go, but he didn't want to follow him. I'll follow you anywhere you go, but when you're going to kill me, myself, then I don't want to go that far. So that's when he got upset, see? I'll follow you wherever you go. I'm going to give up myself. Well, I don't want to go that far. We've got to change that right now. So I'm going to use religiosity. No, no, sir. No, that's not what God's will is. It's the same way with each and every one of us. So here he owns our body, and he owns your spirit. And notice they were bought with a price. Say a price. They were not brought with prices. They were bought with a price. So my body and my spirit was born at the same time with a price. And that a price was on the cross, and we know it's by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, bought you back to God, your body and your spirit, at the same time with a price. Say a price. Yes. Praise God. Go to Psalm 103. All right, Psalm 103, let's just start from verse 1. We've almost got to. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits or any of his benefits, who forgives all thine iniquities and heals all thine diseases. Now, he forgives how many of your sins? Now, do you think there's anybody basically in the Christian church that believes God only forgives some of your sin? No, we were all taught, weren't we? We were taught that if you repent, I mean, he'll forgive your sins. That's the kind of God he is. We believe that. Do you think anybody believes that God will forgive you in his time? Do you ever think that God puts sin on you to teach you something, to help you grow up? Has God ever put sin on you to punish you? No. He forgives how much? Well, how do we know that he forgives all? He says it. It's in the word of God. And here's the tipping point in the kingdom of God. If you're going to be a kingdom person, you've got to know what God said, and you've got to believe what God said. Simple. If you're talking about something that, that different than that, then you're basically calling God a liar. So in other words, if a symptom hits your body and starts to hit you and you call 14 people and tell them you're sick, God didn't say you're sick. God said that you were healed. And if you're going to go ahead and say that you're sick at that time, then basically you're calling God a liar because God said you're healed. Did God say you're healed? Is God a liar? No. Is God going to heal some of your diseases? No. 
How many of your diseases is he going to... Oh, how do you know he's going to heal all? Because he said so. Same way with sins. We don't have a problem with that, do we? God forgives all my sins. No problem. I mean, and, and healing, he doesn't do it in his time. He doesn't do it whenever he feels like it. It's already been done on the cross when he bought your spirit and he bought your body. And we know all this by the word of God. This is why it's so important. I run into so many people that say, Pastor, things aren't going good and I've just been believing God. And I said, what have you been believing about God? Well, I don't know. I've just, I've just believed God. Well, how can you believe God if you don't know what God said about your situation for you in order to believe him? That'd be like never coming to TCVC and running into somebody and say, I believe everything Pastor Tom says. They say, what has he said? I don't know. I've never been there, but I believe everything that he says. No, you've got to know what God has said or what anyone has said in order to believe what they said. So if you're believing God in the area of healing, you're believing God in finances, you're believing God in an area of your life, you have to believe what God has said about that particular situation in your life according to the kingdom of God. Are you following me? If you don't know that, then you don't have any belief whatsoever. So even though God forgives all our sins, do you know there's still people out there who are still living in guilt and condemnation? Even though he says, I'll forgive all your sins. If you repent, I'll wash you and make you clean and make you right. I just, don't feel, I just don't feel like he forgave me when I did it. And they live in guilt and condemnation their whole life when God's already forgiven every single thing that they did. And why don't they know that? Because they don't know the word of God. See? So here it says basically at the same time on the cross, he, knew he now forgives all your sins. And at the same time, he healed all your sicknesses. At the same time, it took place. But even in the church now, we've been taught about salvation, haven't we? You've been born again. You've been saved. If somebody comes up to you tonight and says, are you saved? You'd say yes. And they'd say, are you sure? You'd say sure. But when we get to the healing part, we separated salvation from healing when it's healing's included in salvation. Yes. Salvation is basically everything, taking care of everything in your life. But we separated the two to a point to where we took healing off into feeling and we left salvation over there under the word of God. I mean, let's face it. When you got born again, you didn't go to the mirror the next day and say, my God, I am saved. Look at me. I, re I really look different now. No, no. You look the same as you did before you got saved. The only reason why you thought you were saved is because somebody actually took you to the altar. You confessed. And he said, you're saved now. And you say, I am. Yeah. Well, hallelujah. I'm saved. Nothing really changed, but you still believed you were saved. But then we didn't do anything about the healing part of it. Then we made up a bunch of doctrines about God heals some doesn't heal others. Why is that? Well, because some get healed and some don't. Well, some get saved and some don't. So do we got to wipe out salvation too? You got to say, well, God saves some, does save others. No, they were together. They're identical. They run right in the same order. When he healed you, he also delivered you at that time. And you get new Christians in the church and one will come in and maybe at the end of service say, is anybody here hasn't received Jesus, their Lord and Savior? And somebody will be in the back and go like this, about this high, because they're afraid to raise their hand. And you'll call them up front and you'll lead them in the Lord's Prayer and everybody will stand up. You know, born again, saved, hallelujah, everybody's rejoicing. But then we have a prayer line for healing, and we're laying hands on the sick. And when we lay hands on the sick, what happens? According to the word, we lay hands on people, and they go back the way that they came and say, God, I just don't know why God ain't doing nothing. I just don't know why it don't work. I don't know why anybody understands. What's the difference between the two? We've got faith for one, and we don't have faith for the other because we've been taught stupidly. So you've got somebody who's a brand new Christian and they get born again and sometimes they'll call you the next day and they'll say, you know what, I still feel guilty. I just don't know if I'm saved or forgiven or not. You say, of course you're forgiven and saved. That's what God said. That's what the word says. It's not by how you feel. You're saved. Don't worry about it. And they say, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, we can do the same thing in healing. How many of you know somebody comes up the altar, gets touched, all their symptoms go away, they go home, they call you the next day. I don't feel very good. Something happened to me. And we should say, oh, come back for healing. No, we should say you were healed and you are healed. It's not according to your feeling, it's according to the word. And if you'll stand on the word, that will never change. If it's according to feelings, it will change every hour on the hour, if you're not careful. 
But see, we've separated the two and we've got to put them back together if we're going to walk into divine health. We cannot live by feelings. We have to understand that it was already paid for. It's past tense. It's already been paid for each and every one of us. It is already ours. So the church believes in forgiveness of sins. Thank God. You know, at least we believe in something, but we don't believe in divine health because basically we've been taught by everybody else. And the problem is with salvation, there's only one way to get there. You can do all the works you want, you don't get there. You can be the nicest person in the world, you don't get there. The only way to get there is through Jesus Christ, and that's it. But now healing, we've got options, don't we? We've got natural things people take, which aren't bad. We've got doctors, which aren't bad. But there's another way to do that, and that's simply believing what God has already said, basically. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God will quicken, make alive your mortal body. I mean, you know, the Spirit works with the Word. So if the Spirit's going to go to work in your physical body, you have to be in agreement with the Spirit for the Spirit to work in your body for you to be healed. Are you following me? You can't walk around, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick. The Spirit of God can't do nothing. He's not going to make you sick. It's not His job. So we've got to line up. We've got to come to a place where what God said, that's what He said, and that's what it are. Praise God and you're healed. Sometimes I'll pray for people. I'll lay hands on them, and, and they'll get touched by God and get up off the floor. I said, well, how do you feel now? They said, I'm healed, I'm healed. Why are you healed? And they'll say, I'm healed because there's no pain. And I'll say, no, you're not. Because if you're healed because you've got no pain, what are you going to believe when the pain comes back tomorrow? You're healed because the Word says you are healed, praise God. And if you base your healing on the Word that never changes, same yesterday, today, and forever, you're going to stay healing. Are you going to run into symptoms attacking you? Yes. Do you ever run in for a chance of sin? Yeah. <laughs> and what do you say? I'm a sinner. I might as well just do it. That's the way it is. We're just old sinners. No, no. You resist sin. Amen. Do you or don't you? Yes. Hopefully. He resists sin. You've got the option to resist sin. You've got the option to resist symptoms that try to come against your body and stand against those things. You can resist worry. You can resist fear. You can resist all these things because you've been delivered from each and every one of these things, but the church hasn't taught us that. So a symptom is not evidence whether you're healed or not. The word is your evidence whether you're healed or not. And that's where we get mixed up all the time, praise God. All right, go to Isaiah chapter 53. When the next plague or the next whatever comes down the road, and it will, I mean, there's got to be some people in position to basically walk above this thing and show people that there's a better way of life, that we can walk into a kingdom where these things don't get to us, they don't bother us, they don't come on us, and we've got the power to resist them. How many of you have authority tonight? How many of you have an anointing tonight? How many of you have the Spirit of God tonight? What's our problem, praise God? We've got everything that we need. And from what I read in the Bible, the Holy Ghost is stronger than any sickness or any disease that can come against me. Now, we've been taught sickness and disease is different. You know, you need, you need three-quarters of God to get rid of this disease and maybe just one angel to get rid of this disease. But it doesn't matter to God. Sickness is sickness. Jesus didn't care who it was. He healed every single person that came to him if they would allow him to do it. Okay, Isaiah chapter 53, very important part of scripture here. This is basically Isaiah who was not at the cross, who was not a disciple. He was seen into the future by the, as a prophet of God talking about the cross itself. Isaiah 53, look at verse 3. It says, he, talking about Jesus, is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of many sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we did hid, as it were, our faces from him. And he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for 
our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, this prophet saw this way before it even took place here. He was prophetically looking at it. The word here for griefs is the word coli, which is sicknesses and diseases. So it says, surely he has borne our sicknesses and our diseases. He has carried our sorrows. Now, notice one thing that this is, it gives us total provision for our lives. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a physical body. So notice what it says. Look at verse 4. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and our diseases and carried our sorrows, yet we did, not, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now, notice, that's Old Testament thinking, isn't it? If you, somebody went to the cross, it's because God was teaching you a good lesson. You're getting it. If you got it, you should have got it. If a house falls on you, it, God pushed that house on you because that was a train of thinking back then, wasn't it? So here he says that's what people thought. But look at verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Notice that's our sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's our sins. The chastisement of our what? Peace. Now what does peace have to do with? The soul, doesn't it? Our mind, will, and emotions of peace. So he said, here I'm providing for you not only physical healing, I'm providing you peace for your soul, and with his stripes we are what? Healed. We are healed. So you can see, he saw into the future. How many know the disciples watching the cross had no idea what was going on? They just ran for their lives, praise God. They didn't know what was going on. But this, Isaiah saw this in the future, that he was born. And what did he do? He bared or carried your sicknesses on the cross. So if he carried them, there's no sense in you carrying them if he carried them. If somebody had something tonight that was too heavy and I offered to carry that out to the car for you, there's no sense for me carrying it out the car for you than you waiting to carry it out the car after that because I already carried it out to the car for you. Are you following me? So what did Jesus do? He carried our sicknesses. He carried our worries. He carried our fears. He took them to the cross for us in our place. We deserve the punishment. We deserve to go to the cross, but he did all those things. And once again, we got the opposite. When he went to the cross and was made sick with our sicknesses, then healing became available to everybody. And here it says, surely. Say surely. surely. Now, notice that's not a girl's name. It means absolutely. Absolutely. He bare our sicknesses and our sins on the cross. He took our punishment for the sin so we could live sin-free, but he also took the punishment for our sicknesses so we could live sickness-free. We were bought with one price. So everyone believes that he bare their sins, can be born again, they can be forgiven, and everyone who believes that they, he bare their sicknesses can be healed and live in divine health. Verse 5, now notice what it says at the very end. And with his stripes, someday we might be healed. With his stripes, hopefully God will heal us someday if he feels good that day. No, with his stripes, we... Now, what's R? What tense is that? That's present tense, isn't it? Well, if I are healed back there before he even went to the cross, then I've got to be R healed today all this time past because we're still in present tense. So we are healed. You've noticed, whenever Jesus talked about himself, he always talked about I am. What was he doing? He was claiming who he really believed that he was. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am, I am. And people, what are they? I am diabetic. I am sick all the time. I am broke. I am weird. I am goofy. I am a failure. I am poor. You are claiming an identity that doesn't belong to you, and because of that, you cannot receive something from the old man identity. You have to receive it from the new man identity. So see, I am is a big thing. You better catch your I am's. If you've been saying for a long year, I'm diabetic. Hey, I am diabetic. You're going you're gonna to have a good chance of being diabetic your whole life and maybe even worse, see? You're going ahead and you're grabbing that thing, and that's who you are. You've taken on the, the identity of it, and whatever identity you take on, you end up with. 
And that's important, isn't it? That means whenever you close your eyes and you lay down at night and you lay on your little pillow, who do you think you are? You need to ask yourself, who do you think I am? Loser. No good. See? But if you're going to believe those things, that's who you become because they're identifying with your old nature rather than the new nature on the inside of you with Christ himself. I mean, no, Christ never said, I'm a loser. It just ain't going to work for me. I'm broke. We just ain't going to make it. I'm sure I'm going to get sick. I'm talking around these lepers all the time. That stuff jumps all over you. You never saw him do that because he had an identity that lined up with the identity. Well, when he died, we took on his identity. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I'm crucified with Christ. I live. Yet Christ lives in me. Praise God. Yeah, he's now living through us through the divine nature that's there. So we are healed when? Now, what if I wake up tomorrow morning and I've got a symptom? Am I still healed? Why am I still healed? Because the word says so. And this is something you have to stay on. I mean, this isn't something you can come tonight and you get a revelation of it and then just hang on to it. You just got, this is why we read the Bible. This is why we go over scriptures because someday you're going to need this when you don't feel so well. See, and then you're going to say, oh my gosh, what was that teaching 42 weeks ago? I think I got it someplace in my notes. No, every day. And that's what we do. We glory in the Lord. We say, thank you, Lord, I'm healed today. Thank you, Lord, I'm righteous. Thank you, I'm redeemed. Thank you. Why We do that. That's the way we praise God, but it's the way we also help ourselves. See, build our faith up so that we know what's going on, praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 8. And let me say something again tonight. If you're, if you're in living in sickness right now, or you've been hit by sickness, or you have sickness or symptoms in your body, once again, do not get guilty, whether you're here or you're listening on or online or whatever. Don't get guilty. The kingdom of God is you plant the seed, and it will grow. So you want to plant the seed. First, the blade. You get a runny nose, and all at once, you stand against it, and it goes away. Praise God. Well, that's a start. Hallelujah. And you just keep doing it, and you keep growing in the things of God. That's the way the kingdom of God works. All right, Matthew chapter 8. Look at verse 17. Jesus says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Now, what does Isaiah the prophet prophesy? He prophesied that he bear our sicknesses and our diseases, and with his stripes we are healed. So there he goes. He said that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities, and he bare our what? Sicknesses. So here's Jesus. Here's Jesus solidifying Isaiah's prophecy even before he went to the cross to make it come to pass. He was just repeating the prophecy so people would understand when he went to the cross that they were healed. Glory to God. So there he is. Once again, what did he do? He bare my sicknesses. Why did he bear my sicknesses? So I wouldn't have to bear my sicknesses. Why did he go to hell? So I wouldn't have to go to hell. Why did he become condemned? So I wouldn't have to live guilty. He did everything in opposite. Everything that he did, he did nothing for himself. Zero. He didn't need the anointing. He had it before that. He didn't need to be blessed. He was before that. He didn't need a $10 bill. He had plenty of money. Everything that he did, he did for us. What did he do? He laid down his life. And what are we called to do? We're called to lay down our life. Mm -hmm. Yep. Hallelujah. All right, look at verse 16 there before that. And when evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, 8.16 before 17. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed how many? All. He healed how many? All. all. He healed all that were sick. So once again, if Jesus has gone around healing all that were sick, and God only wanted some people healed, then Jesus was outside of God's will because he was making a mistake healing all. 
So you can't say God wants to heal some and not others, or Jesus didn't know what the heck he was doing. But Jesus also did the will of the Father all the time. He did exactly what God wanted. So God wants all people to be healed. All right, go to 1 Peter 2. And let me just say this too. Your vocabulary has to stay in line with the kingdom of God all the time. Not just when a symptom comes and not once we get real religious and not once we start claiming healing. You should be into a place where your identity takes you on as I live, am a living healed person and sickness and disease does not really belong to me. So I just naturally, supernaturally talk in line with the word of God. You know what I mean by that? It's like if people come up and say, are you saved? You don't have to say, now what did Jesus say about me being? No, you know it by now. You say, yeah, I'm born again, praise God. Are you spirit filled? Yes, I'm spirit filled. Are you healed? Well, I don't know. I felt pretty good yesterday but I don't feel very good today. See, so we want to keep it in line all the time, and that's how you build up your assurance and your, your vision of who you are on the inside. You talk healing, and when you talk healing and anointing and filled with the Spirit, you're going to scare 90% of the church. People say, oh, the heathens out there. I'm not worried about the heathens, praise God. I, I got more problem about the church people than I do the heathen people. I've never been called a, co a cult by a heathen person yet. It's always been a church person. Yeah. Born again and supposedly spirit-filled. Yeah. yeah, praise God. Why is that? Because nobody believes this book as it's written. That's right. And if God didn't want us to believe it as written, then it just becomes a storybook mm -hmm. rather than a life-giving book which changes our life by understanding what the heck it's saying. All right, First Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 24, talking about Jesus again. Who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you might be, could be, maybe in the future, 90 years from now, you were. Say were. were. Now what is were again? Past tense. Past tense. He bare your sins. He bared your sickness. And notice you were. You were. When were you healed? Back when he paid the price for your body and for your spirit. It was taken place then. Now notice what he says here who his own self bear our sins in his own body on a tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. So we can say, if somebody says, how you doing? You can say, I'm righteous and I'm dead to sin. And they'll look at you for about 15 minutes and then they'll tell everybody not to talk to you because something's the matter with you and basically be looking for a new church someplace because nobody likes you there. But isn't that what he says? You're righteous so you can be dead to sin. Well, everybody's got to sin somehow. Well, not if you're, if you're not dead to sin, you don't have to. But if you think you're dying to sin, see, everybody's dying to themselves. Yourself's dead. When are you going to get a revelation of it? killed on the cross. If I could kill myself, Jesus should have never went to the cross because I could have did it myself. But he couldn't do it. He killed me on the cross, praise God. That old drunk, that old alcoholic, that old cusser, he dead and he gone, praise God. And he's not coming back anymore. Glory to God. So I'm seeing myself different. So he said, you're dead. So if I'm righteous and I'm dead to sin, I also got to think I'm healed and dead to sickness. I'm dead to sickness. How about you? Well, COVID's gone around. You think you're going to get it? I can't. I'm dead to it. Sorry. Do you think it's going to come around your house? It's going to go right around it. Yep, right up through the front and then out the back. Got the gate opened in the back for it to go. If it falls in the pool and drowns, we'll just clean the pool out. It's no problem. Praise God. See, it's an attitude, isn't it? You're dead to sin. And then when you hear something come, COVID's hitting everybody, you're not going, we better hide. Get under a tent someplace. No, it ain't going to bother you at all. And you can keep fear out of your life, you'll keep the devil completely out of your life. 
Because he only functions with fear. That's all he's good. That's only stronghold and only power he's got is to make you worry and to make you fear. But if he can't make you afraid of something, and that's the problem too, when a symptom hits you, the, the thing that hits you immediately after that is fear. Fear of getting sick, fear of not feeling good, fear of this, fear of that. And you don't need any fear in those situations. Why? Because you've already been healed 2,000 years ago. With his stripes, we are what? Healed. We are healed. So how many of you have been saved since you were saved? Yes. How many of you may have sinned once since you've been saved? How many know you didn't have to get saved again? No, you're already saved. Well, it's just like that. Maybe you had a symptom. Maybe you got sick since you got born again. But that doesn't mean, praise God, that you're not healed. Amen. It means you're healed and something jumped on you for a while. It got off you. You're still here. Amen. Praise God, you got through it. Yep. Yeah. Hallelujah. We magnify sickness, disease, and the devil too much. We need to stop doing that. Amen. So it doesn't matter how you feel. So it don't matter how I feel. I am healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet because the word says so. That should be your answer when anybody asks you, well, how do you know that? What's in the word? God said it. That's how. Praise God. So we've all been healed. We've all been delivered. We've been made righteous. People say all the time to me, well, I just think it's a lie to be attacked with a symptom and claim to be healed. Well, then it's a lie to be tempted with sin and claim you're saved. See, why we look at it, they're two different separate animals right now. Salvation is here and healing's way over here someplace. But they're the same day, the same time, the same place provided for each and every one of us. You can resist temptation to sin. You can resist temptation to get sick. Now, does that mean, and here's one thing, symptom does not equal defeat. Symptom equals attack. Somebody's coming after you. And if you're living righteously before God, you've got, you can just resist that thing in the name of Jesus and it will go. If you're not living righteously before God, start living righteously before God. My God, forgive everybody. Right. Love everybody, praise God. Don't be condemned. Don't be, don't be hurt. Don't be offended. Don't get into that area because it takes your ability to resist those things out of your life. How many of you have ever been tempted to sin since you were saved? But you resisted, didn't you? Same way with the symptom. When it comes, we have the ability to resist what comes after us, praise God. All right, go to James chapter 5. This is good stuff tonight. We might have to take up an offering. My God, this is really good. Praise God. <laughs> All right, James chapter 5, very familiar verse. Look at verse 14. It says, is any sick among you? Question mark. Now, how do you think he would address the church today? How many of you are sick in this church among you? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, nobody's going to walk into a church of 500 people, 30 people, or 40 people. So, is there any sick among you? No, we believe there's sick among us. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he has committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. Okay, now this, who said this? Is this the word of God? Is this God speaking? Is God a liar? No, he's not. So he says here, basically, there's people in the church who come. These people may be new people who don't know whether they're healed or not healed, don't know how to fight against the devil or sickness and disease, and they should call for the elders of the church. And when they pray for them, basically, the prayer of faith, what is the prayer of faith? The prayer of faith prays, and it's done. We say amen because it's done. You're healed from head to toe. Amen. What does that mean? They're healed from head to toe. 
No more discussion, no more arguing, that's it. You're healed from head to toe, and that's the end of it. So here you can see the prayer of faith. I believe I have received according to the word. Healing's provided. Here it even has forgiveness provided. You take agreement with the word. And when I read this scripture the first time, I was one of those who are the any sick. It appealed to me. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. So back then when I was a new Christian, I called for the elders of the church. And the elders of the church just told me to keep believing, keep believing, keep believing, get a little more faith, and you'll be healed. And I wanted to say to them, of course, I was too scared to say, well, it says here that I'm supposed to have the elders of the church <laughs> anoint me with oil and get my healing, you know. But apparently at that time, they didn't really believe in that that much, so they just told me to go do a better job and do faith, which I tried to do my best by quoting where I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, 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 healed. And you know when I believed I was healed? If the symptom went away. Why would I believe if I was healed? Because the symptom went away. I didn't need the... I didn't need advice. I needed the word. See, people don't need advice. They need the word of God. This is what God said. And if you don't tell them God said it, you're in trouble. Well, this is what I say. You're healed. You're crazy. No, you say right here. This is what it, here, right here. God says you're healed. Do you believe it's God? Well, I believe it's God, but I'm not healed. Well, yes, you are. He said you're healed. Well, I don't believe I'm healed. Well, he says, therefore, I anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith for you. You're going to be healed. Do you believe that? Well, I don't know if I believe it, but see, now you're giving him something to at least believe. You've got to have a background to what you're believing God for. What did God say in your situation and in your circumstance? So basically, I was one of the, I was one of the sinners who wasn't forgiven until I got born again. And how many know, even after you get born again, sometimes you question, because yeah. let me tell you, in 30 years, you can do a lot of damage. Yeah. And you're thinking, well, like when I went to confession and got born again that time, I was thinking, am I going to have to confess every sin? I was going to say, I'll be 62 before I get out of here. I'd, I'd be better off going to jail. I'd get out probably quicker. <laughs> and then for me to think of them all, my God. I can think of the biggies. I can think of the ones that were fun. <laughs> Come on. Hey, I think of the other ones. Yeah, what's on the inside. But no, right the way he forgives all of them. The Bible says he puts your sins in the depths of the sea and they're as far as the east from the west. I mean, you know, the east and the west just goes around and around and around and around. So we believe that, but we believe in divine health also, praise God. So whenever you pray, let's say that you're a little bit older now, you stand against it yourself, you don't really need the elders to pray for you, but you can still use this by praying the prayer of faith over yourself. Well, I don't feel very good right now, and I, I feel like it's not getting any better, but the Word of God says that I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Thank God for it. Amen, praise God. Anoint yourself with your own spit or whatever you need to do, and praise God, walk off and say, I'm healed. And if anybody comes up to you, I'm healed. If anybody says you don't look very good, I'm healed. If anybody says you stink, I'm healed. You don't care. You just keep right on going because we want to stay in line with the Word of God. Now, when I stay in line with the Word of God and I'm pulling the trigger on my authority, then the Spirit of God or the anointing of God who lives where? And you starts to go, oh, what's that? He said he's healed? Time to go to work. Praise God. Here we go. Starts eating away at that sickness and disease. Starts chewing up that cancer. Starts eating up that sickness and disease on the inside of you. I mean, when you start this, it may take a day. It may take five days. It may take a week. But it'll work as long as you stay there, praise God. And then call people who know what they're talking about. My God, don't call somebody that don't believe the word of God. You're just going to get confirmation on your soul. Because you're thinking it here, but you know better. You ain't going to talk it here. So you got somebody coming in, uh, jumping on your soul. Now you got two souls against your mouth, and it's hard to fight that. So you want to find somebody that knows that you're healed. Come on. It's very simple, isn't it? 
then you know, praise God. Go to somebody who will rebuke you. I feel like I'm getting sick. Well, you're healed, brother. Bless God. And don't forget about it. Oh, my God. That didn't feel so good. I thought they were going to pet me and say, I've been sick too and not feeling very good. And we could have just had a good old pet farm. And he smacked me right up beside the head. Let me tell you why. Either he was religiously thinks he's smart or he loves you. You say, tough love. How I many you know that's tough love? It isn't, but it is when you're on the opposite end. And it's easy to say that to somebody when you're on the good end. Oh, you're healed, brother. Nothing to it. Yeah, because well, I feel great. You feel like crap. But uh, yeah, it's a lot different for you to receive it, basically, because you're already under attack. This is why you need to build your cornfield now. Amen. So when it comes, oh, there's an ear. Praise God. Hallelujah. Peel that thing off. Eat that thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm healed from head to toe. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. All right, there's a lot of teachings on this. There could be a million teachings on this, but we're teaching this according to divine health. Are you following me? All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse 24. And when he had given thanks, talking about Jesus, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying that this is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many do what? Now, this is, of course, communion, isn't it? We all know what it is. It's talking about the Lord's Supper. It's talking about remembering the cross, his death, and the covenant that you have. Look at verse 26. It says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the what? Lord's death. So it's talking about you remembering the crucifixion and what happened at the crucifixion provided for you. That's why you're doing this to begin with. All right, look at verse 29. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. The unworthily here means to eat and drink in an unworthy manner. In other words, you're not doing it in a worthy manner. Why eat unworthily? Well, why does he say? Why am I eating? Why am I doing this communion and do it unworthily? Look at the next verse. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, verse 29, eats and drinks damnation to himself because he's not discerning what? He's not discerning the Lord's body. So he's not being judged because he doesn't discern the blood. And what did the blood do? It paid for our salvation, but the body was broken for our sicknesses. Are you following me? Yeah. 
So here we're talking about the blood. We're talking about the blood, and it doesn't discern. So people take communion. They take the cup. They take the bread. They're eating the Lord's body. Why do they do it unworthily? Because it says they're underestimating the value of it. And because of that, you will come under not damnation. The word there is condemnation. So I'm going to come under condemnation. Why is that? Because I'm drinking the cup of blood, because I've been born again, spirit-filled, and I'm taking the body, which was broken for my healing, but I don't know that healing belongs to me, yet I'm still taking the body, and I still don't know what I'm taking the body for. Therefore, I'm living sick, because I'm not proclaiming the Lord's death and what happened there. I'm basically proclaiming salvation, but I'm not taking on healing. Are you following me? So you're denying the healing there. So communion, communion then is not only the discernment of what he did for you on the cross blood-wise, where you're born again, you're washed, you're clean, but it also talks about you being healed there and not knowing that you're healed. So I take the cup, I drink it, thank God, I'm saved, praise God. I take the bread, I eat it, why? Because I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Most people that do communion, I did it for 30 years, I had no idea what communion was for, they just did it every time and I happened to be in church. So I showed up, and I heard a lot of different things. And there's a lot, of, a lot of things you can get out of this, but once again, I'm talking about healing. Praise God. So you run into a church, and I run into a church, talk to a pastor, and he says, well, we don't believe in divine health here. I said, you don't. I said, do you believe in salvation? Yeah, we believe that you're born again. We just don't believe, you know, that you're divinely healed. It's up to God whether you get healed or not. I said, do you do communion? He said, yeah, we do communion. I said, then just do the cup. Why is that? Because why, why, why would you do the bread? If the bread was broken for your healing, you don't believe in healing, just do the cup, for God's sakes. Then people wouldn't have it under condemnation because they're doing it wrong, and at least you get half right anyway before it's over with. Are you following me? Yes. Makes sense, don't it? Yes. Yeah, and notice, our problem is not we don't discern the blood. Everybody discerns salvation in the blood that takes communion. But we don't discern the body. What was the body for? Why was the body broken? What was there? Remember in the Old Testament, whenever they killed that lamb, they ate the whole lamb. The church wants to eat parts of the lamb. Salvation, yes. Peace, maybe. Healing, no. Tongues, absolutely not. But in Israel, they ate the whole. So the sacrifice lamb, we got to eat the whole lamb. We can't be picking and choosing which lamb. That's why the kingdom of God is so good, because if we understand the kingdom, the whole rest of the lamb comes along with the kingdom of God. Once you became a citizen and we know divine rights, all these are rights. You, you have a divine right to live in peace and joy and health every single day of your life. It's a right that belongs to you. The devil's already been defeated. He shouldn't be bothering us anymore, but we don't believe that. We've been talking about he's this giant person out there running around, chasing me around, doing this. He's defeated. He's been squashed. He's been melted down to nothing. Nothing. He was paraded around for everybody to see. The devil is defeated unless you make him undefeated. Right. See, the things that we're afraid of, sometimes there's no reason to be afraid of those things. Let me tell you who's afraid he is of you. He's afraid you're going to get a revelation and start acting like somebody with a revelation and start finding out your identity, and then he won't know what to do, praise God. So notice we're talking about a double cure tonight. Two things at one time. What happened at the cross? He died for your body, and he also died for your spirit, and he also died for your Soul at that time. Every single part of you that you have. All right, go to Mark chapter 2. All right, Mark chapter 2, let's start in verse. We might as well read from the start. Start in verse 4. 
And when they could not come nigh unto Jesus because of the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven. Let's just back up there a little bit. Notice verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, they saw their faith. A lot of times we equate faith with what you confess and what you say and how many know that's the truth. But notice, faith is also demonstrated by what you do. See, they didn't say a word here. Jesus saw their faith. What did he see? They saw him bringing the person with the palsy fighting through a crowd to try to get to Jesus because they believed Jesus was going to do something about the palsy that was there. All right. Where were we? Verse 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason you these things in your heart? Which is easier to say of the sick of the palsy? Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way. So here's Jesus saying, basically, forgiveness of sins and sickness disease are a package, one and the same. You do one, you do the other. They're both taken care of. But notice what they question him on. In this day and age, we believe in the forgiveness of sins, but we question the healing. Here they didn't question the healing. They questioned the forgiveness of sins because he was going around healing everybody. They knew he could do that, but they didn't believe you can't forgive sins. So religion will always, see, we talk about religion, can't we? No matter what you do, you're going to be on the wrong side. They'll find a way for you to be wrong. If you, if you raise your hands, it's wrong. If you don't raise your hands, it's worse. If you shout in church, it's wrong. If you don't shout, it's worse. You just can't do nothing right in religion. It doesn't work anymore. They said, we played a flute for you, and you wouldn't dance. We didn't do nothing. Then we didn't play a flute for you, and you wanted to dance. Make up your mind what you want. That's what religion does, and that's what religion people do. Oh, yeah, he can heal them, but he can't forgive sins. Now, in this day and age, oh, he forgives sins, but bless God, he can't heal anybody because that's where religion is all the time. It shows you what religion is. So notice what he says here, basically. He had no problem. One was the same. The same was the other. And basically when he said, he could have said, you're healed, and at the same time, the forgiveness of sins would have been available to that guy because both the same to Jesus. It didn't make any difference one or the other. All right, go to Matthew chapter 9. Now, I've been in this a long time, but I'll tell you, there's still days when I run into situations and circumstances where I'm still not believing the word of God and doing it, you know? I mean, he distinctly says to us believers, you shall lay hands on the, and they shall, and we run into sick people every day, and we don't lay our, on the sick, and they don't, and you get home, and you think, why didn't I lay my hands on the, and so they didn't, even though I know where the scripture is, it's highlighted, it's got purple all around it, it's underlined, believers, that's me, lay hands, I've got them. But when the time comes, if we're still not in the Word and we're not pumped up, if we're not life-giving spirits, remember Sunday? If we don't see ourselves as always looking to give life to someone by laying hands, by speaking, by doing something, then you're going to miss those opportunities to do it. But God's the one who said, see, lay hands on the sick and they shall, they shall recover. Yeah. All right, Matthew chapter 9.
Look at verse 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes and said, According to your faith, be it unto you. Now, this was important for me because a lot of times Jesus just healed everybody. You know, the whole city came, laid hand, and he healed him, he healed him. This gave me a little more stuff where Jesus actually worked at healing a little bit. He said, do you believe that I can do this? He wanted an answer out of them. He wanted to see what they were believing. I mean, if they would have said, well, we sure hope, he probably, they probably wouldn't have got anything because according to their, not according to God's will, not according to God's sovereignty, but according to what they believed they were going to get in that situation. So since they commented, right, yes, Lord, we believe. And then he said, be it done. He didn't lay hands. He didn't spit on them. He didn't do anything. He just simply said, according to what you believe, you will have. Now, you can put that into healing, but you can put it into just about every single part of your life. What do you believe? What do you believe about sin? Well, I believe we're saved, but we all, everybody's got to sin sometime. Well, I believe you're going to sin sometime. I'm right with you. Well, I believe that we can live in healing, but we, everybody's got to get sick with all the diseases going around somehow. Well, then guess what? Sooner or later, you're going to get sick. You're going to get what you believe. Do you believe you're anointed? I'm trying to be. I'm going to be. Well, then you're not going to operate in an anointing that you don't believe that you have. It's done according to your faith. It's up to you, whatever you believe. So what am I going to believe? I'm going to find out what God said, and whatever God said, I'm going to believe. But it's, it's so much easier to testify about your problems, your sickness, your disease, your feelings, your pain, than it is about what God has said about your problems, your feelings, and your pain. Even in the church, you don't hear it talked about much. You don't hear people talking about how great God is, how he, how he healed, kept him healed all week, how, he, how his cross paid for this or that. You don't hear, well, I've had bursitis now for about three weeks, you know, and it's just getting worse. And uh, what do you do for bursitis? Oh, well, I take a drug here, and that does me. And once again, there's nothing wrong with drugs. There's nothing wrong with natural. What's right about you living? Wants you alive. So as these things come in, as you read them, as you study them, as you take notes, have you other scriptures, put one in a day. You know, if you're going to read scripture, just pop one in. Well, let's look at First Peter 2.24. Let's look at this. And this is even a good one. What I believe today, I'm going to get. For a long time, I thought I was going to be poor my whole life, man. I was over $300,000 in debt. You know, it, it's hard in the natural when you're that deep in debt not to believe that you're going to be in debt. I mean, it's looking at you every day. You go to your bank account, you don't even want to look at that thing. You're just putting that thing up sometime. But there came a time in my life when there was a change in here. And even though I was still over $300,000 in debt, I was the richest man in the world. People thought I was nuts. Of course, a lot of people didn't know it. My wife thought I was nuts. But it was just a change there. It didn't matter anymore. It was over with, praise God. It was good. We're blessed, man. We, got all calm. we can do whatever we want. God just keeps blessing us. My father knows, praise God. It's working. Thank God I didn't have to explain to everybody where I was. Hallelujah. And this wasn't that long ago either when things changed. Because it takes a while when you're in that problem to dig yourself out with your mind. That's why you've been sick all your life. It's hard to dig yourself out of that sickness with the Word of God because when you close your eyes, you don't see yourself healed. You see yourself sick. Maybe you see yourself on the way to be healed. Maybe you see yourself getting more healed. Whatever it takes to get your mind to change on the inside, you see yourself as a healed person, a blessed person, a prosperous person, a holy person, a righteous person. All these things take on your identity, and then you're, you're fighting from the top of the hill rather than trying to climb up the hill. It's no fun trying to climb up the hill. 
fun fighting at the top of the hill. Hallelujah. Remember back in grades, I told this a thousand times, but it's one of the greatest lessons I ever heard. Praise God, at recess time, it was time to go out for recess, and if you had to go to the bathroom, you could raise your hand and go early and recess, and the snow was all over the ground, and they used to make slides, and they'd pile it up real high, and, and every time I'd go out there, I wasn't very big, and I'd go out to the snow thing, tried to climb up, and everybody kept pushing me down, and never got on top, so I raised my hand about two minutes before recess, and she called on me instead of peeing, I went outside and got on top of that mound. And I stood up there when everybody else came out. Here was this little guy, about four foot eight. Everybody else is six foot trying to crawl up that snow. And all I'd have to do is go push. And they go, ee, slide back down and push. See? And I was king of the mountain for the first time in my life. I cheated to do it, but I got there. Praise God. <laughs> and it related to me what changes when we get this perspective of who we are in this heavenly perspective. All at once, you know, sickness will seem like a gnat. And the devil will seem like a joke in all these things because we're standing on top of the snow drift now. And when everybody comes at it, we just push them right back down and keep going. And all our troubles and stuff fade away, praise God. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I just thank you for all that Jesus did for us on the cross. Father, we want to eat the whole lamb, every single bit of that lamb. We want to walk in peace and joy. We thank you for it this very day. We thank you for the anointing to do that. We thank you for putting watch over our mouth. May the meditations in our heart and our mouth line up with you in every single thing that we think and that we do. Father, thank you for growing up a group of people to walk in divine health and show this world that there is a God who loves each and every person here. Father, I thank you for them being here. I ask you to give them a special blessing as they go of revelation, and we thank you, Father, that was preached tonight will remain in their hearts for a long, long time. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 All right. the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added on